Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Unqualified. We will be taking a brief hiatus after today's episode and re-releasing a few oldies but goodies until we return. With that in mind, we wanted today's episode to be what Unqualified is all about, and that's you, our listeners. Joining me today is my good friend, dating and relationship coach, April Beyer. For those of you just discovering our podcast, April has been a matchmaker for more than 20 years and is the founder of Level Connections, a unique dating service bridging the gap between dating apps and personal matchmaking. Hope you enjoyed this special episode. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. April, how are you? I'm doing great. My phones are ringing off the hook. So I've been giving a lot of time and extra time and energy to people and just filling everybody's cup as much as I can. I just don't like the undue pressure people put on their shoulders. It's interesting that you say that. Our wonderful assistant told me the other day that her wife has been offered a job out of state. And I told her, well, I want to be supportive of whatever you want to do. And she said, well, I just didn't want to leave Los Angeles without having accomplished my goals. And I think that that's a really hard way to look at something. And you hear that a lot in the acting community. Young actors come here and they feel if they haven't made it, whatever that means, they put this pressure, this timeline on themselves to do something like that. I told her that I think a better gauge of success is if you're happy, if you're happy in this town, if it has resources to offer you, friendships that you like. It's too hard to put the timeline on yourself And I think that there's the correlation between like, well, I haven't done it yet. I'm a failure. (laughs) Right. That's a lot for people. You're right. There's an interesting comparison of like, hey, mom and dad, I need another three months rent because, you know, the acting jobs aren't coming in or single people going home to mom and dad and aunts and uncles and everybody's looking at them and they're seating them at the kids table because they don't have a plus one. And then they have to say, well, you know, I haven't really met anybody. And then they're getting the pressure of like, why don't you move home? And there's a better chance of meeting somebody in a small town. Come home to us. Come home to the family. I was thinking about that last night. I was scrolling through social media, and I realized that every time I scroll through social, I feel like this general malaise of kind of just sadness. I don't think it's helping any of us, and I do a lot. I work, you know, 15-hour days, and when I'm scrolling through social, I think, I'm not doing enough. Oh, completely. You know, it's not enough that I've created all these relationships and marriages and helped people. Like, no, it's not enough. I should have, like, four books out by now, and I should have this, and it's not good for us. You know me in social media. Yeah, you don't like it. I think it's easy to recognize, and I think it actually comes from my mom, because my mom didn't ever let me look at any women's magazines. And I think she really wanted me to stay innocent. She didn't want me to learn from, like, Seventeen Magazine how to give a blowjob, you know? Uh uh But when I would go over to my friend's house and look at their magazines, I started to recognize this feeling of less than, you know? I just felt 
bad. Oh, that girl's so pretty. And I feel that same thing with social media. Like, I should be posting more. I could do, I don't know, something amusing. But there is the inevitable comparison that you're confronted with on social media that inevitably brings you down just a notch. It really does. And it doesn't even matter how much you're accomplishing or, you know, if you had a really good day. Right. I think everybody needs to limit how much exposure they're getting on these things. I worry that everybody's leaned on it. And people over the last few years have really lost a lot of their social skills, you know, with COVID. Yes. I'm surprised how much I'm teaching lately. I'm teaching things like how to pick up the clues in a conversation and, you know, how to respond. You know, people are forgetting eye contact. And it seems like just being really open and transparent and real seems to be like this big, huge thing that everybody's aspiring to. That's something I want to dive into. Yeah. What's happening around ourselves and our lives. But it's all good. There's so much hope. But I think we need to make some changes and get people out in the world more. Agreed. Because even when we are out in the world, we're glued to our phones. We're not absorbing anything in our space. And I don't know how you do that with kids. Like when we were growing up, our mom and dads didn't have cell phones. So when we were out at lunch or dinner with our parents, we were in conversation. Right. We had everything directed toward us. I wonder with the popularity of therapy, easy access to therapy, if that has had an effect. But I do think that some therapists tend to have their clients ruminate over the past a lot as opposed to figuring out how to look forward to the future. God, I'm so glad you said that because I'm afraid to say that out loud because a lot of coaching clients of mine also see therapists and some of them take a break from their therapist while they're working with me and I can feel the shift in them and the change in them because I'm not a clinical therapist. So I focus on the now. Yes. And baby steps into the future strategy. We acknowledge the past, but that's not my bag, right? I'm not going to dive so deep into that. What happens is we get everybody to a certain place. They're feeling joy. They're feeling energy. They go back to therapy and suddenly they're bogged down again. And believe me, therapy is really, really important. And I want to make sure that people know that that's there for them if they need it. But I see that too. And there's a lot of popular psych terms that are being kind of tossed around like the word gaslighting, right? Now that's a pop word that people are using for just about anything. And those are dangerous, dangerous behaviors and words. So, you know, we all got to be careful, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Calm it down a little bit because we do have to be in forward-moving action, right? It's not that I'm, like, insensitive to someone's past, but part of me just is like, all right, come on, get on your feet, let's go, <laughs> right? Right. How long do we ruminate? How long do we let ourselves indulge? I mean— Trauma should, of course, be dealt with professionally and with care. But in my case, when one of my exes started going to therapy pretty intensively, he would come home so pissed off at me. Mm. Like his attitude was like, you're keeping me down. Ugh. And I didn't know how to deal with that at uh, all. Uh. I didn't know what that therapist was telling him. Uh. <laughs> but he gave me the feeling that he complained a whole lot about me and that I was to blame for some of his failures. And I didn't quite know how that was the case. I mean, he was the same partner who, if he had an audition, he would inevitably be sick that morning. Uh -huh. He would still go to the audition, but he was setting himself up for an excuse to not get the job. Uh -huh. And one time I called him on it. I said, do you realize that you get sick every morning of an audition? 
Oh, he got mad. Of course he did, because you were calling out, you know, what he wasn't willing to pay attention to. Yeah, that's rough. I think a lot of therapists get so involved with their patient, and if they don't know the other person, you know, it feels like, well, this is my therapist, and, you know, you got to be careful as a therapist. You can't just listen to one side and assume that that's the entire truth. You know, even in my work, when somebody is sharing something about a past relationship or a date they just had, and they have their one perspective— even if I wasn't there, I'm always flipping it and saying, are you sure you read that right? Because, you know, this might have been happening and that's why you saw that. So I try to stay as in the middle as possible so that everybody has their opportunity for growth. But that's hard. That's really, really hard. Most everybody that I know in this town sees a therapist of some kind and praises it. But they do notice that certain therapists seem to really revel in the past with their patients. And with that idea of having your side told over and over and heard by a professional, when you go home, let's say you're talking about issues with your mom, does that idea exacerbate the relationship as you've been chewing over all the wrongs in the past, or does it help you achieve your goal of having a peaceful relationship with your mom? Like, what are the practicalities that a therapist can give you to make you feel better if feeling better is having a better relationship with your mom, if that's the goal? Then all that stuff kind of has to dissipate a bit in your memory, I think. You're on to something. I think it just depends on the therapist. And you talked about the practicality of it which is, you know, this happened recently with a client of mine, young woman, and she was considering writing this letter. And what was happening, it was just overwhelming her. And she immediately went back into all of this trauma instead of like, okay, we don't have to do it all today. <laughs> Why send the note now? If you don't feel like going, don't, you know, but here are little things you can do. Like I call it the drip campaign. Here are little things you can say or do to kind of Make yourself feel more comfortable if this person calls. So yeah, there's something there. That's why I think having a team is really good. You know, just having people around you and then switching up often so that you're getting new and fresh perspectives and new eyes on your situation instead of just relying on that one person and making that one person God. I never coach people beyond six months, hardly ever, maybe a year. And then I'm like, okay, go fly. <laughs> go do the things I've asked you to do and come back and every now and then check in with me and see how everything's going. I don't want anybody dependent on me. I think that's really wise. Yeah. If they're still around, I'm like, okay, I haven't done my job. <laughs> so let's get you going. Yeah. I like that you are a great futurizer. Ooh, I like that futurizer. Yeah. I mean, why not? Like this life is short. Let's get going. Yeah. <laughs> let's be happy if we can. Let's be happy for God's sake. <laughs> oh, okay. Are we ready? Yes. Stephanie. Stephanie. Hi, how are you two? We are great. Thank you so much for your letter and reaching out. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. About a year and a half ago last summer, I was happy and single and living my best life. 
And I got a message from someone in my past on LinkedIn. And it was just a, hey, how have you been? You know, haven't talked for over 20 years. So someone I went to high school with, and we always had a connection back then. Never dated or anything, went to separate colleges and moved to different cities and went about our life. So we started talking based on that first interaction. And I got divorced a few years ago. He told me that he was separated. And, you know, we just started talking and having Zoom dates. Stephanie, can I ask you a quick, maybe frivolous question? Yeah, sure. In high school, what was his social status? He was a popular football player. I was on the cheerleading squad. We didn't hang in the same circles, but he was one of the cool people that I really liked. And I think most people really liked. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so after a couple months, we decided that we were going to meet in New Orleans for my birthday. And it was the first time we'd seen each other in 20 years. What was the communication? I mean, if you're meeting in New Orleans for your birthday, you guys must have been communicating pretty flirtatiously. Yeah. All right, go on. So we had a really great trip. And at the end of the trip, it's like, when can we see each other again? How are we going to make this work? We live in different cities. So I flew out to visit him a couple of weeks later in his hometown and again, it was a really great trip, and I was happy to be there. Did you stay with him in his hometown? We decided that we were going to stay downtown because he lives in the suburbs. And it's like, oh, let's stay downtown. We'll go to a Grizzlies game. You know, let's do all the fun downtown things and make it more fun. Did you meet any of his family or anything? I did not. We have a similar hometown, but he doesn't live in that city either. So there wasn't really family to me, but I didn't meet friends or anyone like that. Gotcha. Okay. So then what happens? So fast forward to Christmas, he came out for the week. And everything seemed to be going great. And he got a text message and his mood just really changed in the moment. And I was like, what happened? What is that text message? And he told me that it was from his ex that he separated from. And he just said, she knows that I'm in San Diego. And she wrote me a message that said, the only way you need to come home is to pack your things and move out. And so that's how I found out that he wasn't actually separated or along in the process that I thought he was. They're still living together. Yeah. How did you absorb that? It was really devastating because this isn't something that I would have invested so much time and love and energy and even money in, you know, traveling so much. So I was devastated. I was really upset. He's met all my friends, all my family. Like it was Christmas. I thought this was like, oh, our first Christmas, this is going to be great. And it just wasn't. He admitted that he had lied about the progress or status of his separation because he knew I wouldn't stay had I known the truth, which is true. So then what happens after Christmas? So he flies home and he says, you know, like, I'm going to move out. I'm moving off my life. I want us to pursue us being together. I just need to figure this out as soon as I get home. And, you know, you and I will figure this out together. And so about a week goes by and I don't really hear anything. And I just wanted to give him some space to figure things out. And after New Year's, he sent me a text message that just said, I need to focus on my family. I wish you the best, basically. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that happened. And then he wrote me a few letters over the next few months and I didn't respond. What did they say? I know that our timing was bad. I am so sorry for everything that happened. I still feel that you are a part of my life. I can't see you not being a part of my life. This might be the end of a chapter, but not the story. You know, just reminiscing about all of our good times that we had and how he still sees me as being part of his future. 
Oh boy. Okay. So then what happened? So he reached out again via phone. He asked me to call him. So I called him and he has his own place. Things are settled and that he wants us to try to work things out and move forward. And in my mind, knowing what had happened in the past, I was scared, but I was also really hopeful that maybe we could get it right this time. Sure. I mean, he's writing you letters. Yeah. And he's still thinking about you. Yeah. So I thought, you know, maybe this time it's better timing. Things have settled. It's been multiple months. And so we started seeing each other very consistently again. We took a vacation to Montana. We were seeing each other probably three out of the four weeks a month. And things are good, right? Are things good in like Montana? Like, yeah. And he was very communicative, very consistent with his communication. Things seemed great. You know, he had some ups and downs. He has a daughter, so he felt, you know, like, oh, I need to be at home for my daughter. I can't do these certain things, you know. So I understood that. And he felt a lot of guilt, I guess. And so those were kind of the ups and downs that we had. But as a couple, everything seemed good. And we had good reciprocal travel with each other to each other's places. And so, you know, I was going to meet his family. He's already met mine. And really over the week, he just ghosted. He didn't respond to my phone call or text message. And the Monday after, he just said, I have too much on my plate. I need to focus on myself. And it was just really disappointing. I just hoped for more. You know, we were in the same city and we didn't even see each other or have a conversation. That was really sad. Is that the last communication you've had with him? Yeah. Oh, Stephanie, I'm sorry. The reason why I asked like the high school question, I think, is because Those four years tend to weigh heavy in our lives, you know, but thinking about your commonality with him, thinking about, is this the right person for you? You guys have the familiarity locked down. Yeah, that had definitely something to do with it and my feelings. Yeah, but also for him, you know, he reached out. His marriage is crumbling. He's not happy. And he reaches back out to somebody he knew from way back when. So it was just familiarity, as you both say, but it's also comfort. Mm -hmm. You know, why did he reach for something that was comfort, a simpler time, a more innocent time? You know, he was too freaked out to go do something new. So, you know, his memory of you was she's stable. She's cute cheerleader. Cute. Yeah. Like, I want to go back to that. And it also, you know, I want to know how long he was married and when he got married. Yeah, he was married for eight years and they were together, I think, 12 So um, he was probably 28 when they got married. Yeah. I mean, he was a puppy. Yeah. I'm sorry, but 28's just too young for any guy to get married. I sort of want to know how he described his marriage and the breakup. Did he accept blame or was it sort of put upon her? What he told me is that they really just grew apart and didn't have common interests. He wanted to move to a different city. She was very stuck in the place that she wanted to stay He didn't say that they argued a lot. He never talked poorly about his relationship. He just said that they wanted different things and they had grown apart. In one of those moments, if you were to ask him, point blank, did you cheat? What is your gut of how he would answer? Yeah, I asked him if he had done this before because it was evident to me that he cheated with me. You know, that was evident. And she did not know. I mean, she had sent me a message after this happened. So she definitely did not know. Oh, she sent you a message. Yeah. When was that? After Christmas. What did she say? She just said, I don't know what your relationship is with him right now, but he has told me that we are working on our marriage. 
I have been devastated by this affair that he had with you. Oh. Yeah. So she was basically saying, I don't know what he's telling you, but this is what he's telling me. Oh, I'm sorry. And I felt horrible. It's still something that I struggle with because I feel responsible and really sad that happened. You're not at all. And I would put money on this is not the first time. Women are not responsible when they get hit on either by somebody in a bar, restaurant, walking their dog, or somebody calling from the past and them saying that they are divorced or separated and you find out they're not. You aren't responsible for that. I think there are definite signs and better questions you can ask, certainly. Your responsibility is in once you find out. So instead of blaming yourself for the initial because it sounds like you got swept up into this. Maybe you could have asked some better questions in the beginning. Like, how long have you been out of the house? You know, how have you been since then? You know, have you been dating? What's been going on? You know, like really diving in. By the way, you don't say who cheated because you're never going to get the right answer or the truth. So there's other ways of finding out, like saying to somebody, oh, he says, I'm separated. You know, oh, how you feeling? How you doing? In that how you feel and how you doing question, they start all of a sudden sharing stuff. And then all of a sudden you start hearing a timeline. Well, you know, it was just last month or I got my own apartment six months ago. You could find out this, right? You could find these things out. And again, this has happened to so many people, so many women especially. It's what are you doing once you find out? And Stephanie, I'm more interested in when that time happened, you were together, he gets this text message, you realize, oh gosh, this guy is definitely not separated. He's still living in the house, and this is now an affair. It sounds to me like everything has been on his timeline that you, out of default, just kind of, I hate to say it, passively let him go back, lick his wounds, figure it out. I would have done the same thing, Stephanie. Well, okay. Like, what would you have done on a I think that I would have not asked the right questions purposely. I wouldn't want to know. Maybe not now. I'm 46. But in the past, I probably would have done something like that. Like, I want this to be too good to be true. I want it. I don't want to explore because I don't necessarily want to know the answers. Well, already out of the gate, you're on dangerous ground when you meet somebody who has just been separated in the last year or so, especially if there's a child involved the chances of that working out, I'm not saying it's impossible, but you're already kind of risking a little bit there because a lot of these guys aren't that ready. I think women tend to be more ready, but men, I don't know, especially if they were married under 30 and you're catching them on the heels of a separation or divorce. I mean, I find a lot of clients have come to me mid-separation. They'll profess that they're ready, but they don't come through. They ghost me. They don't sign their agreements. They come in real strong. They want to meet with me. They want to talk about it. They want to get their life moving again. Their relationship, marriage didn't work out. And then I get ghosted. And it's always the same thing. They weren't that ready. So when you did find out, was there anything in you that said, what? You got this text from your wife. You've lied. You're actually actively married, living together under one roof. Get out. Was there any of that going on? So there is a lot of that questioning. I was angry. I was upset. And the questioning happened. It wasn't get out and fly home. It was the end of our trip. I'm like, we just need to talk through this and work it out. I agree with what Anna said of my why is that I just wanted this to work so badly. And I saw this future. I should have asked better questions and I didn't. I was hopeful and just said, just go work this out and we can figure it out. Okay. 
So you just thought your biggest problem was, okay, this guy is married and he just needs to figure it out. He's not in love anymore. He's got some things he's got to work through. Yeah. If we had like a problem that we put on the table, that would have been it. Yes. But what about the problem of integrity? Was that as big of a problem on the table that you were sort of looking through those days, those hours? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely in my mind a lot and it's just hard to describe that was really the question of why I called in of like, you know, if my friend told me this story, I'd be like, what the hell's wrong with you? He's bad news. And in my mind, I kept making excuses for why this could still work out. And well, we're special. We always had this connection. We'll get through this. So I ignored a lot of what I would tell someone else as good advice. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds. And I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, I love how frank you are about that. I know. Very few people can do like a revision on their story. Well, I feel like your calling and what you wrote to us is you really saying like, how do I get past this shame, right, of being the other woman and you don't feel good about it and learning to trust again. And I think we should help you with that. Yeah. So it's happened before, you know, when he's had a false start of saying like, I really want to get back together. I'm moving out in two weeks. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, let me know when you're moved out and ready. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm like, I'm just not ready. I'm still figuring things out. I'm overwhelmed. I have so much happening. So he's done this in the past. And, you know, again, my question is, why do I continue to let this person back when he's ready? And how do I stop it from happening again? Because you don't think you deserve more. You know, if you know what a deal killer is, like lying, there is no question you know, women who tend to buy into this and continue to see men that are not quite resolved from their marriage or still in their marriage, it's not that they're bad people. It's just you don't know that you can ask for more, not from that person, yeah, but that you deserve a whole person. You don't need to figure out how to trust men again. You have to figure out how to trust yourself, to trust your instincts and your ability to ask the right questions that you know how to discern and you know how to watch out for red flags and you develop observation skills. And most importantly, you raise the bar of your self-esteem. Yeah. You're not just dealing with the shame of being the other woman. You're also saying like, why am I accepting crumbs? You know, there's an old Broadway musical and it's a song called 50%. And the singer sings, I'd rather have 50% of him than all of anyone else. It's a really beautifully written song. Like the melody is gorgeous. But I've always heard that song and I go, ugh. Like in order to be this person that doesn't attract a married guy or these men that are just trying to kind of utilize other people as their crutches as they move out of their relationship is to say to yourself, how much time, energy, focus, attention, devotion do I want in my life? What am I ready for? Don't blame yourself for attracting this person. Don't blame yourself for having hope. Don't blame yourself for feeling affection and a draw to him. In fact, don't blame yourself at all, but just more or less ask yourself, why haven't I wanted and needed more? Yeah. And when he says to you, I'm moving out in two weeks, I want to see you, I want to reestablish this, 
even if he felt aspirationally that he could do that, you have to be the wiser. You know, you have to be the woman with instincts that says that's not enough time. Yeah. You got to go be on your own for some time. It's not enough, especially with his pattern of let's do this. I can't do it. Let's do this. I can't do it. Every time something important comes up, you're out the door. <laughs> so he's not reliable or very consistent. Yeah, that's exactly it. I do want to ask you about the text message from his wife. She sent me an Instagram message. She found me on Instagram. So he told her. Yeah, he did tell her. Did he tell you that he told her? Yes. Oh, gosh. And now you're carrying around this weight that they both put on you. Yeah. Oh. It just made it so much worse. <laughs> yeah. If he called you tomorrow and said, it's over, all my stuff is out of the garage, I'm in my apartment, can we please meet? You're the one. What's your first thought? My first thought is hope. Like, oh, and that's what I want it to not be. I know. It's like I'd never want to hear from him again, but I do. Oh, completely. That's the hard part. It's amazing that you recognize this truth within yourself. And I feel that I do see this happening, and it may not, but I do want you to feel like you have a plan if it does. And I don't mean to dangle this idea because I don't want you to be hopeful, although that part is kind of inevitable. And that's what's happened in the past is that when it's convenient and ready for him again, he reaches out and I accept the call. And that this time feels different because he is out of the house. He is, you know, living independently. He is divorced. Like I've seen that. But the fact that we went through all of this and he didn't have the courage to even have a conversation with me or not even a phone call, I feel like I probably won't hear from him again, but I don't want to. I think it's in my best interest to not. It is in your best interest to not, but I feel you that you want it because I would want it too. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm bad cop in this. Like, why? <laughs> no, I love it. No, I'm always bad cop. No, 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 no. <laughs> you're not bad cop. You're right cop. Yeah. You're the reasonable cop. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm getting upset over here. And here's why. Uh-oh. I'm getting upset for you, Stephanie, because I think you need to clear up confusion and empower yourself. Like, I feel like you're more ragdoll right now instead of a woman, a fully grown, expressed, confident woman with your shoulders back and your head on your shoulders and your heart and the mind and body aligned. Meaning you're putting all of your hopes, dreams on this, I've moved out, my wife knows, okay. These are like, you're making your problem and your hopes the same thing. And I'm saying, if you go deeper, forget about the marriage, forget about that. There are factors in this person's character that should be turning you off emotionally and sexually. Yeah. The lying, the ghosting, the pulling you in, the pushing you back, the overwhelm he feels, all of this overall general lack of integrity the only time I do look back is I go, okay, what is my experience with this person? It's been 12 months. And how many times has this person done blank? How many tears have I cried? How many nights have I been confused, wringing my hands? How many times have I felt out of my balance and missed a holiday because I was crying myself to sleep? Like, I would literally look at the calendar year and go, all right, <laughs> okay, here's the good stuff. And here's the other things. Like, is one of my requirements in life, friends, family, lovers, and partners, integrity? Yes. Okay. Number one, must have. Is communication, stellar communication, one of my absolute number one must haves? Thousand percent yes. This person has not been a stellar communicator. Forget about the reason. He's a grown man. Yeah. He's not a baby and you're not his mama. He hasn't done that. 
Another requirement, I need somebody who is caring about my feelings, not just because they're in love with me, but literally cares about my well-being and my feelings. He knows that ghosting you now twice has been devastating to you, but his life and his emotions and whatever's going on with him is always trumping how you feel. So if I were in your shoes, and I'm not you, but I just want to give you some starch, I'd be thinking, wait a minute, where am I in this? He reaches to me when he wants comfort. Mm -hmm. You were a high school companion friend, and it was all about him. Everything is through his lens. He's like, I'm sorry, I wish we could be together, but it's really because he feels bad. When somebody ghosts you and they don't communicate, especially in something like this, that is abuse. It's its own form. Write you a note and say, I don't want to disappear on you, but here's what's going on. And I'm so sorry it's happening during the holidays. Please give me time. You know, you have to beg for conversation. So if we take the extramarital affair out, we take out like, is he moving out and what's going on there? That's just stuff. I want to go deeper into what is the character of this person, married or not. And that's what I would be healing from to get you kind of not turning against him, but making him real. Like you're in such a fantasy. You haven't thought about like real stuff that if you were in a relationship with him, you can't be with somebody that isn't of integrity. You can't be with somebody that jumps and disappears every time the wind blows or leaves you on important occasions or leaves you hanging and leaves you guessing and crying. Yeah. Like that's not a great marker for a future relationship. And I know I'm being really hard on you and I'm sorry, but it's because I want so much more for you. Yeah. I want you to be able to resist this idea if he comes back. I want you to move on and not see this person again and have him just be a fading marker in your life. Yeah, that's what I hope as well, um, because it's happened before and I just don't want it to happen again. And I want enough time or healing or confidence to grow in myself to where it's just unacceptable at any point in the future. That's what I want for myself. It sounds like it's what you want, Steph, but I hear the question in your voice. It's like, you want to move on. You want to be okay without him. Yeah. But you're also kind of saying, but if he does call, he's going to get under my skin. And it's almost like you're saying you don't have control of this situation, that your emotions are going to override your logic. I would feel that way. It's exactly true because it's happened before. You know, I've let this happen and trained him to think that that's okay. So it's just as we can say, he'll probably reach out again. You could say about me, well, she'll probably take it back again. And that's where I'm worried and where I need to grow over the next month or day to figure out how to not let that happen again. Well, how we can help you is to say, you know, you got some work to do on figuring out what are those five areas that you need to feel love and safety in a relationship? Like what character traits do you need? And what are deal breakers? You know, I gave you mine, but you don't have to take mine. I'm a different human being than you are. You know, I just know where I draw the line in my life. You know, none of us are perfect people, but I know that those things just make me feel really unbalanced and I don't have the time to feel unbalanced in my life. And this has brought you a lot of pain and suffering. And here you are alone and thinking of him and kind of wishing. And I say you actually have more control than you know. 
you actually can say, I can control my emotions because the logic side of me is going to step in and balance my emotion. I'm not going to be all heart and I'm not going to be all head. I'm going to integrate. I'm going to make this guy a real guy. I'm going to see him not as a bad person, but I'm going to see him for the flaws. And I'm also going to see that this person is clearly confused not really his own person yet because he's double playing things. He's double playing things with you and her. And so for you to rise above this, if and when he does call, because he probably will, is just to say to yourself, okay, I don't want to be involved in someone's process. I want to be the person that someone chooses when they're clear and calm and they've been through the storm already and they're in a neutral space. I don't want to be someone's knee-jerk reaction. I don't want to be someone's salve because they're feeling empty or lonely. And the only way you can really get what you want for the future, whether it's him or someone else, is just to be patient and not be so focused on, I've got to grab it now because it's going to end. You have time on your side here Because if you go into this relationship now, the chances of it imploding on you in another three to six months are higher than if you just give this man the time to heal his heart, figure out his life, get a counselor, whatever, get a coach, really give this space and time. That requires your faith. You won't know what you could possibly have in the future. So don't be so short-sighted and think you have to take care of everything today Time is on your side here, but with the time, you got to be really proactive with what it is that you want, not from him. Be careful you don't attach him to this. What do I want? And then what you're going to do is you're going to start to go, does this person have what I want and are they capable of it? You'll start to see him clearer and more of a human being, you know? Yeah. Stephanie, my first boyfriend of my life, he was so hot. And I grew up feeling so physically unattractive. So when the first really hot guy liked me and kind of treated me like shit after a while, we decided to go to college together. And he broke up with me like a week into college. And I found out because I followed him. I knew his class schedule. And he wasn't, like, answering any of my pages. (laughs) Back when they had pages. And I was being ghosted by my high school boyfriend, and I had a promise ring, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And when I ran up to him in between classes, because I knew where he was, I was like, what's going on? And he said, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to tell you that I want to see other people. And then I spent the next three months kind of following him, writing poetry, sobbing, like really reveling in heartbreak. And then one night around Christmas after three months, he called me and he said, I think I want to get back together. And I ran over to his fraternity. He didn't even come to me. (laughs) And I leapt into his arms and I was like, so happy to be back. It felt like so euphoric and everything that I had wanted desperately. And then we had sex And then I remember waking up and feeling like, oh, God, I don't like his fingers. I don't like his laugh. I don't like this bunk bed at the fraternity. (laughs) Like, I felt like my heart had kind of hardened enough, which kind of took me by surprise, that I finally was like, no, I went through too much for this. Yeah. For just this, this guy who laughs when people like slip and fall you know, who thinks he is just so smart, 
that was the shift for me. I wasn't ready to break up with him yet, but I did put a mark on my calendar. I was like, this is the day I'm breaking up with him. And I did because I really started to view him with a different lens as I felt myself grow stronger in the heartbreak, you know? Yeah. I don't know if that's a helpful story or not. (laughs) It's very helpful. And, you know, all of this advice has been very helpful and empowering, to be honest. And I think what I'm going to focus on is, you know, these are my non-negotiables. And April, like you were saying, you know, integrity is number one and consistent communication is number two. Those would be up there for me, but also, you know, feeling safe and secure and not questioning like that. I think now is like my number one. Do I feel safe with this person? And I know that that's what I'm going to be thinking about and working on. I love it. Yeah, me too. You're already on your way because if you get your head out of all the minutia and all the other stuff and all the story and you just go back to something really simple and basic, like I need to feel safe when I'm with this person. Yeah. You measure that against how you are feeling with that person. And then what happens is you have more practicality and a better path to move forward. Wishing and praying this is going to get better doesn't do anything. (laughs) This is actually you shifting the brain so that you can start to kind of die to this feeling a little bit. And before you do that and while you're doing that, you got to let go of the shame. Yeah. We're all people. We're all getting through this life as best as we can. You're a good person. And I want you to have fun with your friends. I want you to go out, distract yourself with the things that make you feel really good, even though it'll be hard. Yeah. Well, I thank you both so much. This has been incredibly helpful and empowering. So thank you so much. I Um, love you. I'm thinking about you. And I'm really sorry about this massive disappointment. Well, I appreciate your compassion and empathy and advice. So thank you both. We wish you all the very best. Just ask for more. Okay. Yeah, I will. Thank you, April. Thank you, Anna. You're welcome. Bye-bye. April, I love it when you're bad cop. Not that you're even bad cop. I feel like a total bad cop. Oh, God, no. It's wonderful. And I get to be like the empathizer, like this has been my experience. That's right. (laughs) But also what I've learned from, I hope that that gets across too. Yeah. Like I've learned from the heartbreaks. Of course. Hi, Kendall. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for your letter. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah, I know that I sent a message, which is basically just asking in like a general sense, like how does one just like stop attracting like the wrong people? Like people that break your heart? Yeah, I mean, just like the bad guys, like the bad boys. Well, I think that question of like, how do you stop attracting the wrong people is probably something that every single person in the world would want to know about. I know. And I feel like this question has been asked so many times, but it's just been one that's kind of been on my mind because like there's lots of people, right? But, you know, not everyone's like a good one. And so I always feel like I end up meeting great people, great friends, but then you know, when it comes to dating, it's a little bit trickier. And so like right now I have a situation and I'm not really sure how to handle it. Well, tell us about it. It's kind of new, actually. It was a really intense kind of interaction in the beginning. And 
the first month, you know, I saw him like four times in that month and he lives an hour away from me. But we ended up figuring out a way to meet, but that'll be like over a month. And I don't know, that's never really happened to me before. So this is kind of weird. And then I'm also having these thoughts. It's like, well, is this guy a good guy or a bad boy? So that's why I asked the question. Okay, four times and you guys were intimate. Not right away, actually. Like I was actually really, really good about just setting my boundaries, which is just that I want to get to know someone really well before doing anything like that. And this is the thing, like, I don't know if this person is like manipulative or something, but he's saying that I'm the first person in like a long while who he has feelings for, who he hasn't been intimate with. And so I'm like, wait, you can't be serious, right? (laughs) But so it's like he gets intimate like right away with people. But I'm different and he respected that, which I like because I feel like I've dated enough bad boys to know not to be intimate right away just because it's so easy for me to get attached. And so I just want to be able to like do it right. Did his line work? At first I was like, oh, you got to be pushing me. That's impossible. But I can take it with a grain of salt. I'll leave it at that. But it didn't like impact me one way or another. It's not like it changed my mind and all of a sudden I like, you know, wanted to get intimate and sexual with this person. I feel like if anything, a good relationship always starts with a solid foundation of friendship first. Because I've done it in the past where it would be, you know, friends with benefits or whatever, and it would just gets too sexual too quickly. And then the whole relationship gets muddled and it's hard to kind of get out of that zone. I've been thinking about the term friends with benefits. It feels like such male terminology. Mm. Personally, it's not for me, but I agree with you. There's like a huge stigma around it. Well, because I don't know where the friendship part comes in. Exactly. That's the thing. Like if someone goes into sex, it like goes straight to the benefit. It's sex without commitment. Yeah. So the friends with benefits label sort of puts this gloss on it. Sex without commitment is a much more accurate label. <laughs> I just start calling it that from now on. Yeah. Have you in the past been that girl that was the friend with benefits, even though you didn't like it? Oh, yeah. That's why I don't do it anymore. <laughs> okay. So it didn't serve you. It didn't feel good. Yeah. Right. What's considered a bad boy if Anna and I are Martians? We just landed on this planet and you said bad boy. We're like, please explain to us. That's a great question. The way that I define it is someone who's not emotionally safe for me. Like they're a loose cannon, you know. It's I was actually just scrolling through Instagram and one of like the reels that I saw is like if you actually look at the interactions that you've had, say if I've interacted with this person 10 times over text. I asked myself, am I always initiating these messages or is it actually him or is it 50-50? And I feel like I haven't done this exercise, but it made me think like, is there a reciprocated energy there? Is there consistency? And is there some kind of communication? And if neither of those three things are there, then that person is like a bad boy. So bad boys are selfish. Yes. I fully believe that if I want to be attracting the right partner, I'd have to I think I heard it on Instagram too. I've been scrolling on Instagram a lot. Like make a list of the qualities that you want in a partner and then be that list. And so now my intention is to be that person. Like if I want someone who's fully supportive of me, then I will want to be supported. Yes, but you could also be supporting the wrong people. 
you have to mind the store. <laughs> yes. That's why I want your help, ladies. Like, do I need to like cut this person? Am I giving this person too much of my light, my positivity? Is this person like just a real loose cannon for me? Well, here's the good news about bad boys. They don't exist without the girl that lets them in. Yes. That's why I have been wondering about a few things and why it's been like over three weeks that I haven't seen him. And usually we see each other like once every other week, at least. This is like the longest and we keep in touch over texting and calling and stuff. But I guess I'm wondering if the seeds that I was putting out into the universe were kind of coming to fruition because I felt like things kind of died down in this past month. And I can't tell if it's been a good thing or a bad thing, but it's been really, really uncomfortable for me because I don't really like that this person is like taking up a lot of energy in my mind space and I like can't get him out of my mind and I don't like that. Well, we just talked to somebody else with almost the exact same thing, right? I mean, this is so universal. Yeah. No one is doing anything to you. It's what you allow. Yes. All we have to do is really get right with ourselves. Why are you valuable? Why are you lovable? What do you want to be known for? What do you want to be loved for? And the letter that you wrote us, which was you feel like you've always gone in part first and got so attached and you're trying to learn the art of being unattached. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a great goal because both require a lot of energy. So if you're really gunning for a connection with a guy and you're going all in for, I'm going to be everything I want him to be to me, you could be putting your eggs in the wrong basket. Likewise, if you're trying really hard to go against where the brain is by going, I don't like this person, I don't like him, I don't see him, I don't want to be connected to anybody, I want to learn the art of that, that's actually just as unhealthy as the other because neither are living fully in the moment yeah. and being really wise, right? Like really growing in your wisdom. Okay. When we love somebody, we do feel a sense of attachment to them. We feel a longing to be near them. Yes, that's what I've been feeling. Yeah, it's normal. The balance is I'm really feeling attached and drawn to this person. I'm thinking about them a lot. But the integration of your head and your dating smarts is, am I getting what I need? Do I feel safe? Is this reciprocal, like you were saying earlier? Yeah. Am I driving all of the communication or is this person only in response to my communication? Are they meeting me halfway? Are they investing time in me? You can't not think about someone, right? When you tell your brain, I'm going to stop thinking about you, I'm going to stop thinking about you, all you're doing is just reaffirming it. What I can't wrap my brain around, because this is kind of new territory for me, is because we kind of just started casually seeing each other. It's still pretty new. Like I've only seen this guy four times, but every time we meet, we share the entire weekend together. If not, maybe like four days or something. Four or five days of euphoria. And then like two weeks of pain and longing. Yes. And then the longing that you said is normal. That stuff kicks in. And that's why I want to learn to be unattached. Because like you said, it's super normal for me to be attached. But I feel like I can get this sense of, I don't want to say obsession because I feel like that has like a bad connotation to it. But it does feel like I get a dopamine withdrawal and I want that dopamine hit again. And Kendall, you mentioned in your letter that you are living alone. I always predominantly lived alone, but then I had a long-term relationship where we lived together for five years. It was very toxic, which is why I want to break the patterns of dysfunction and not (laughs) choosing the wrong partner because that's like the hardest and most difficult decision to make in one's life. 
when you meet somebody who is meeting you halfway, it's the easiest decision you'll ever make. And it's only difficult when you're fighting what is, when you're dreaming of something and you're so attached to an outcome that you miss all of the signs. Yeah. And then everybody thinks, well, I got hurt because I went all in with my heart and I was vulnerable and that's why I got hurt and I'm going to never get hurt again. I'm going to guard my heart. And then those are the people that kept getting re-injured and re-injured and re-injured because when you guard your heart, it comes across as inauthentic. The goal is to stay open-hearted and gain wisdom and integrate. Yeah. That's all that you need to do to break this cycle. The tricky bit is the integration part. Like, I don't want to be competing for one's attention, but for me, it's super easy to integrate someone into my life and include them. But I guess what I'm learning from you is the meeting halfway. If they're not integrating me into their life, then the writing's kind of on the wall. Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, yeah, but this kind of work has to be done before you meet somebody not while you're in it. Because what happens is you tend to get the feeling of rejection if somebody isn't meeting you halfway or isn't corresponding or coming and joining you with plans that you put out there. You tend to personalize instead of in advance. And this is for everybody. This is the inner work. This is the setting up. Here's my life. Here's the kind of time and energy attention I like from people. Here's what I want to be known for, right? It's like if we were a business, what would we want the customer to know about our company, our brand? What kind of customers are we looking for? What's the crowd? We're not going to be for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. And if you know what it is that you want and what you want to be known for and respected and adored for, it's really easy to navigate these things. But I think it's also the attachment to the outcome. And more than anything, I just want to tell you, I get this feeling that you're in massive growth mode. And I want you to be kinder to yourself right now because everything you're feeling is really just growing up and growing through yeah. this stuff. And you got to go through it. Yeah. Every day you're going to get smarter. You can't intellectualize yourself into this. I know you're really smart and you're trying to get it right, but it's okay. You know, next time you meet somebody and you go in with an open heart, and that just means that honesty, that transparency, you're accessible. Okay. And then they prove you otherwise. You just go, okay, and you exit yourself out of there. You don't get mad. You don't get upset. Like, you just realize, okay, this person isn't into receiving what I've got, and I'll move on. But you can't blame yourself for attracting the person to begin with. That's actually kind of how I see this person right now, more so as a reflection of all the lessons that I'm learning. And then, yes, I can be attached to them, but I'm more so attached to the inner work that I'm doing and, like, seeing maybe like the fruits of my labor, some of the examples where I can actually like fully respect myself and say, well, we don't need to do anything. We can just be friends and then I can move on. I feel like I'll know it when someone just makes it super easy to integrate me into their life because I want to also integrate them into my life as well. And so I make myself available to those who are available to me. Yeah. I have a couple of thoughts. April and I were talking about how social media made us feel which is the idea of the comparative lifestyle. And I tend personally to find that I feel bad about myself when I do a lot of comparative stuff, whether it's conscious or not. So just food for thought about when you look at social media. Yeah. I want you to work on really feeling how gorgeous and special and like fucking rad you are. You have all these cool friends You've got people in your life that love you and support you and are rooting for you. 
And then we've got this ding-dong who may or may not see you. Yeah. Will you tell us about the guy? Because you wrote to us, like, you want to kind of get him out of your head. So can you give us in one sentence, try to be as concise as possible, why do you want this man out of your head? Why do you not want to continue to do what you've been doing, which is seeing each other once every other week? You guys live an hour or so away from one another. What is it about this person that is giving you or throwing up a red flag to the point where you want to move on? Because I believe that I require more shared quality time than what is actually reality right now. And so I feel like if the person is always on my mind when we're not seeing each other, then I get that uncomfortable longing feeling that you said is normal. But I don't want that. Like, I'd rather just go back and focus on my work, but it's hard to focus on my work when (laughs) I can't. It's normal, but it's not fruitful. That's exactly why I want to learn like the art of being unattached so I can really just focus. I don't think being unattached is an art. I think it's detaching from an outcome is your goal. So we need to just reframe some of your language because I think it's helpful. Okay. I don't like labels because there's a lot of men and women too, by the way, that don't know what they want yet. And they're kind of just casually dating and they're kind of waiting to see what happens. It doesn't make them a bad person necessarily. So let's get away from that as quickly as possible. The goal of being unattached, I don't know if it's fruitful or warranted. I don't think you need to do that right now. It's about this thing of Everybody wants to guard their heart, hold their cards real close to the vest until there is commitment. And I say you can't get someone to want to be with you and share time, energy, and love, and attention, and affection until you have really put yourself out there. So it's a mind game people do to themselves. A lot of women do this. It's like, no, I'm going to just reserve, and I'm going to be cool, and I'm going to let him chase me. And when he shows up, I'm like, really? You haven't inspired any desire for this person to want to commit to you or be with you because you're literally at half mass. Yeah. So how do you walk the walk? How do you walk and chew gum at the same time, right? It's like, I'm going to go in and know that when I share myself, and maybe I'm complimentary to the person, maybe I say I'm thinking about you a lot, whatever that is, I can't get hurt because I'm expressing myself. I can only get hurt if I keep overlooking things I'm not getting because I have an attachment to an outcome. Yeah. If the relationship is going and it's not as much time as you need, then you can make the call. You can tell them like, hey, listen, I'm having a struggle with this. You know, I feel like we only see each other once every other month and I know we don't live close by, but I'm getting to that point where I'm starting to feel more connected to you. And I'm finding myself spending more time thinking about you and less time being with you. Is there a way that we want to spend more time together? You know, how are you thinking about this? Is there something that we can do to spend more time? And if he doesn't come up with, yes, I want to spend more time with you as well. Let's figure out how to bridge this distance between us because we don't live in the same town. Then you're playing one man tennis. And then you can go, oh, okay. Like, that's okay. Because what you need and want has to be more important than the person you want. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish I typed faster because I was trying to take notes and what you said because you like hit it right on the nail. You share what you think and feel. So then you're vulnerable, you're open-hearted, you're expressive, right? Because maybe you've been holding back and so you're not building connection. You're not building the desire to be with you more. So you share what you think and feel and you say, is there a way that we could bridge some of this distance because we don't live in the same town? And do you have a desire to spend more time together? And then zip it and then let the chips fall. That's the hardest part. You got to shut up at that point. (laughs) Yes, I know. That is the hardest part. The best match is when you're both walking in the same direction at the same time and you both crave each other 
But unfortunately, like you said, I feel like that happens when we can fully be present. And I don't want to make excuses for him or me, but it's like, it's almost too soon to tell, right? Like, like I've only known Guy for over two months and half of that, I haven't even seen him. We've just been talking. I think that's why April's direct, because the response could be where he says, okay, I'm not quite sure where this is all coming from. And I don't really know where I am in terms of my commitment level. Oh, no, I actually already think I know what he would say. What do you think? He would just say he was busy because he has a friend who they've become really close and she is going to Europe for three weeks. Okay. She asked that they would share some time together. And I don't no, know. I don't buy that. <laughs> no? Yeah, no, no. That's not treating your heart well. Mm-mm. He's seeing somebody else, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's been seeing other people. I mean, we're not exclusive. I want you to be with somebody who loves as well as you do. Exactly. And you know what? To me, the key of this entire time we're all spending together is confidence. You know, there's nothing sexier and more powerful than confidence. And you don't say things to men like, well, you're very busy and I don't know if you'll make the time. No, 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 no. You have to assume that you're the gift to be received and empower yourself and to know, again, why don't people understand that I should be able to wake everybody out of a dead sleep and go, why are you lovable? Why are you amazing? And you should be able to like rattle it off real fast because if we don't know, how are we supposed to telegraph that? If we don't know, how is anybody else supposed to know? And if it's not being returned and somebody meets you, and even though it's new and they're still continuing to see other people, that's not a bad guy. That's not anything crazy. It just... There's not enough glue there, and you can't force that. All I know is when I put people together who are relationship-minded, they might go out a few times and maybe a couple times with other people in just a very, very, very beginning, but it's not long that they call and say, call off the search. I've had three or four dates with so-and-so, and and with my work schedule and everything I'm doing in my life, I kind of just want to focus on this person. It happens all the time. So you're just meeting people that aren't at that stage of readiness yet. I don't know if it's because it's age or whatever. They're still learning about themselves. And so you just have to get through this time and just don't let your self-esteem get bruised and beaten. You know, your self-esteem is your magic. It's your gold. And you've got to hold on to that. But you don't hold on to self-esteem by taking yourself away from people or guarding your heart. Yeah. You hold on to your self-esteem because you know what you want and you know how you want to be treated and you remove yourself from any kind of situation that is not in alignment. But then even though I tell myself, I still wonder if I'm knowing these things and if I know like this person, he may or may not be in my life six months from now. I'm not sure if this is like some kind of line or if he's being a little manipulative because he throws out words like, well, it's just about like meeting the right person and then it's just as easy as we're exclusively dating and blah, blah, blah. So it's like he knows he's capable of it. But, you know, like, I'm not going to force someone who's not ready to do it. No, he likes you. He needs sex. And you've been holding that off. And that's why he said to you, this is the first time I've cared about somebody and it hasn't been intimate. And so what he's doing is 
He likes spending time with you. He likes being with you when he's with you. But then he goes back and he's like, yeah, but I got my needs and I'm dating and I'm doing this because I don't think he sees you. Yeah, Veronica's going off to Europe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like it's easy sex. Why not? Yeah. And he doesn't see you like that. He sees you more innocent and he likes the connection and likes the friendship. And there's not a lot you can do about that, right? We all attract what we're ready for. And if you say, I've been attracting people who don't want a relationship, aren't that real, aren't that deep, it's because you're in your growth phase. So the brand and the messaging is a little confusing. By the way, we're never out of growth stage, but you're in the beginning. Like if you were just entering into the tunnel of it, that's where you are. Mm -hmm. It's confusing and you're figuring it out and you just need to give yourself grace right now. So much grace. And it's fine to kind of hold yourself back physically and sexually. That's 100% accurate and fine. Just if you're holding back physically and sexually with people that you don't know what it is, right? You don't know what the relationship is. That's great. But a lot of people, when they're holding back their sex and their body, they're also holding back their thoughts, their feelings, their heart. And I say, be careful with that. Express, be honest, be real, and then see where things fall. I keep thinking that I don't want you to be waiting for him. I want you to have some plans. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. Good. But it's been a month. If he didn't make plans with me, then I'm going to do my plans with other people. (laughs) Good. I love that. All that's great. Just stay busy. You keep moving forward. Yeah. Honor yourself and get rid of the labels. Get rid of the labels you give yourself, the labels you give to these guys. I don't think this person's a bad guy. It doesn't mean he's your future. And if it feels good to call, it feels good to spend time, spend time when you're both available. Let your needs and your wishes and your wants be known. Release from your outcome and keep moving forward. If it feels like I'm initiating things and then I get more responses, is that also a red flag? I would just go, oh, it's not the right time. And I like when people are kind of playing tennis with me. And so whether it's a friend or a lover or anything, it's just realizing that you might be playing one man tennis a little bit. It's just not the right time. This person isn't there and you have to get yourself busy in something else and focusing attention on those who are reciprocal. It should be nice and even Steven and reciprocal and it should feel like flow. Yeah. When it's flow and you don't even have to think about or keep tabs on who's calling who, that's when you know you're in the right place. You know, because we've been so socialized or whatever is to blame for the typical woman's like journey is with this internalization of like, why doesn't he like me when I like him so much? You know, but April, how can we shift ourselves to thinking about ourselves as equals in terms of I cannot bend this person's will to worship me. So what else do I do? It starts early. If you grow up with a lot of attention and attaboys and love and consistency, your body and your mind and spirit is so used to it that when it isn't reciprocated, you don't actually get hurt. You just go, that's weird. You assume that people want to spend time with you until they don't. And I think it starts so much earlier, and that's how you protect your heart, is really bolstering the confidence, like really honing in on that. Forget about these people. Because I don't know about you guys, but I don't have time in my life to unpack every single person's behavior. All we can focus on is what do I want? How do I want to feel? How do I want to be received? Yeah. What do I want to be loved and known for? Kendall, you've got so much more to offer than this person has to offer you. (laughs) And that's the truth. April, do you think Kendall should call the dude and kind of say like, I 
really enjoy spending time with you. And where are you at with this? If it's miserable and you feel like you're sitting on your thoughts and feelings all day, every day, and that's what's getting in your way, and then you might need to let some air out of the tire a little bit. But it's for you. It's not for him. I've been dating this person on all four dates. I was expressive. I was warm. I was myself. I was authentic. If you can say that and you can say, I let this person know I was interested, they could tell, then you really don't have anything to do right now. It's only if you feel like you've been sitting on something that needs to be said. But you really don't have to make any movements. You also have to get into your faith and your trust and your wisdom and your patience, right? And he'll call and then see how you feel. Yeah. This is universal. Everybody's been here. We've all been here. And just remembering that we all do what we want in this life. And none of us want to be guilted for the things that we're not doing. It just means that we don't want to or we're not ready for it. And I invite you to continue on this path of all of the self-exploration and just know that when you reach a better stage of readiness, of understanding the depth of a relationship that you crave— those people start showing up, those men that are real and consistent, they really do show. And I will also tell you that whether it's my own personal life or any of my clients' lives, it was always the man, when it worked, when it became a successful, lasting relationship and or engagement or marriage, it was always that man saying, I want to be with you. I'm going to stop seeing other people. Or are you seeing other people? I really want to make this work. It's just practice, sweetheart. It's just being in it and going through these relationships and you keep exploring and you find the people that want you as much as you want them. And if that's not aligned, it's not a tennis match. Okay. And everybody gets to shake hands and walk off the court. Okay. It's not the end of the world. That's what we're here to do. We're supposed to find alignment. We're supposed to find the people we're supposed to be with. It's not real rejection. You have more control here. You just have to learn how to let go, not detach the worst thing you can do is detach, let go of the outcome, and you'll be just fine. I promise. Yeah, thank you. Kendall, you have so much generosity in your spirit, and you're gorgeous. I think you're wise. You're examining all this stuff. And I want you to have like the best in life. I want you to have somebody who worships your body, who makes you feel safe, who makes you feel great. I want that for you. Yeah, I want that for myself. I want that for everyone. I know. I like everyone is entitled to that. Me too. Yes. Kendall, I love you. Thank you so much. And I'm really impressed by you. You're wonderful. Thank you. All the best, Kendall. Thanks. Bye. Bye, Kendall. You did an amazing job. You like fed her the idea of like, this is your life. This is your journey you know, and we need to hear that over and over and over. Yeah. To wrap on this, I think as we heard with both of our callers just now, Anna, is can't we just see the through line of confidence and how so often women especially give their power to the person that is in their life or the person they're trying to date and they're completely divorced from what it is that they want first. And that's where we find the conflict. Don't you agree? Oh, completely. Like my high school boyfriend, I mean, I dropped out of the drama program because he told me he wanted to spend more time together. <laughs> yeah, that was my power. Uh. And it kind of always reflected on that. Like, why exactly did I do that? Because we just ended up getting stoned and hanging out with his friends. 
and making stupid videos of, like, throwing <laughs> pumpkins off a bridge. You were young, and it clearly didn't hurt your career. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was offered—remember that group, Up With People? I don't know if they're still around. It's like a singing group. So in high school, I was offered to go. I was chosen, and I fell in love with my choreographer, who I didn't know was gay— and he was like, oh, you don't want to do that. You want to move to New York. That's silliness. And I told my teacher that I was going to decline the offer. And to this day, I'm like, God, I was so dumb for a guy. You know, <laughs> what was right. I thinking? I could have traveled the world and been part of this group. But I think that's part of our last caller, Kendall, is that I want her to be kind to herself. Yeah. She's so in this exploratory time and no one at this stage of life should be judging themselves on what they're doing and not doing. And we don't have to be perfect, right? We just have to be willing to get through it and become our best selves while we're in it. April, I love you. And that was like the perfect goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye for now. 